Hello, hello, and hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode. If not now, when? In today's show, I am really excited to welcome Eric Engineer to join us as a guest on our show. Eric is a partner of S3 Ventures. He supports portfolio company as a board member and advisor for the strategic growth. He was previously CEO at Inverdo, an S3 venture portfolio company, which was acquired by Co-Creative in early 2018. Prior to Inverdo, Eric was a partner at Seven Rosen Funds in Dallas, where he helped lead the firm's investment in Inverdo. Eric also worked at Microsoft, where he held a variety of roles in product management, product planning, and enterprise sales across several business units. Eric began his career as a sales engineer at Trilogy Software in Austin, Texas. Eric held an MBA from Harvard Business School and a master's and bachelor's degree at Computer Science from Rice University. With that, everybody, please join me to welcome Eric to the show. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you. Glad to be here. Let's dive in. So, how does all the magic begin for you? How does magic begin for me? Yeah. Oh well,、um, I think what is magical for me and what why I love my job is just seeing people create new things. I've always、mm. enjoyed seeing how you know something is started and and the building process and and. And so every day when I meet entrepreneurs、mm-hmm. and they're telling me what they've accomplished, starting from zero,、mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then what they built, that's that's magical. That's magic. From zero to hero, yeah, that's right? Right. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And Ari, I know you grew up on Houston.、That's、Tell、right. about how you grew up. Yeah. Well,、uh, my parents、uh, both were born in India, and they they came to the United States actually independently and, and met here in the U.S.、Uh, when they came here for school.、Uh, and. Uh, we landed. I, I was born and, and grew up、uh, first half of my life actually in Michigan. Oh,、uh, and then we moved to Houston when I was twelve, and so consider Texas、uh, kind of my home. That's where my family is,、uh, mm-hmm. both extended family as well,、uh, mostly in Houston. Like you said, I went to、uh, Rice University、uh, yeah. for undergrad, studied computer science, and actually moved out here to Austin、uh, during the dot com bubble.、Uh, my very first job out of school was a company called Trilogy Software, which was a fast growing startup here in the in the area,、yep. and.、Uh, It's been fun to see kind of how Austin has changed、yeah. <laughs> over the last twenty years since then. But、uh, but yeah, that was kind of my first exposure to Austin. I, I've lived all over the country since,、mm-hmm. and and moved back here、um, just over ten years ago. Incredible. Yeah. How was it like grow up as a first generation in America?、Um, you know, I、um, felt you know never felt out of place. Really,、uh, I think that's just. Because of my, I think my parents were very thoughtful about things.、Um, it made it easier for me in some ways. It's it's funny, like even my name, they gave me an American name, <laughs> which is you know in some ways you, you you kind of you kind of lose your culture when you do that. But at the same time, it, it was kind of made life easier for me. I didn't have to explain it. <laughs> your last name is engineer. Yeah, my last name is engineer too. But that last name comes from when the British uh, uh, were in India. But、uh, oh. but Eric. Um, you know,、Got、is、it. one so that you know that I think those kinds of things made it a little bit easier for me in、yeah. in some ways.、Um, but always just surrounded by really great community,、mm-hmm. uh, family, friends.、Um, I always felt very supported.、Mm-hmm. So I feel very lucky to have had a, you know, really kind of、um, a childhood that、um, allowed me to kind of. Be who I wanted to be, and and was supportive of that. And what do you and, want and, to be when you were little? Oh, when I was little, oh, I always loved science.、Mm. Uh, my mom was a doctor, so、uh, you know,、uh, 
And my dad was an engineer, like typical Indian <laughs> parents. So, so those are the kind of the two uh, kind of, I guess, um, Path paths that were kind of most obvious. Yeah. But then when I, um, you know, I grew up during, I was kind of in middle school and high school during the 90s and then went to um, to college during the dot-com um, you know, excitement. And so computers and, and, and information technology were kind of front and center. I had computers since I was very young. I think I feel very lucky that I had that. My parent, my dad had brought a computer uh, probably, you know, um, it was one of the very early like 486 <laughs> kind of, wow. com- or actually might have been a 286 <laughs> computer actually. Uh, so very early, kind of one of those IBM clones. And mm-hmm. so learned a lot about Computers as a young age played around with them, and so it was always something I was doing, you mm-hmm. know, on AOL and whatever else yeah. at the time. But um, when I got to college, um, I just happened to actually take a computer science class because my roommate was taking one. I was pre med, and I didn't know what my major would be, and so oh. I liked computer science. I took it, and I was just something I really loved. I was, you know, naturally, I guess, kind of comfortable with and good at, and so that became my major, and then eventually became what I did professionally and dropped the. The idea of being a doctor. <laughs> you pick one of the two options. Yeah, exactly. It was either take the MCAT or go do an internship. <laughs> and so that was... Brilliant. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. And how does that shift from a, a computer science degree to uh, enterprise sales, right? That's your first job? Yeah, my first job. Yeah, so um, I always knew that I was not the best programmer. Like, I knew that, right? I wasn't one of the top programmers, but I loved, um, I loved technology and I... Enjoyed communicating with people, enjoyed working with teams. And so I always thought, okay, wait, business might be part of my background. Also, my dad had a lot of small businesses growing up, and I worked in them. Um, um, you know, he had a travel agency. He had a uh, – yeah, after he, he quit being an engineer. Mm-hmm. And when we moved to Texas, he he started a travel agency. Then he had a party city franchise that I worked in on the weekends. Wow. And so I was kind of exposed to a little bit of that as well and, and enjoyed that combination of business and – and technology. So even in undergrad, I took both as mm-hmm. uh, when I switched, stopped doing pre-med, I did computer science and business. And so I always knew that I was going to be more at that intersection. And so even when I, my first job out of school at Trilogy was mm-hmm. I applied for a technical sales role. So mm-hmm. where I was helping the sales team on the technology components of the sales process. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was very, very early age yeah. kind of thinking about so that. So your dad really is a serious entrepreneur. He is a hustler. Yeah, he was a, he was a you know, small business owner yeah. uh, and um, and learned a lot. I would go to the you know his um, travel agency after school sometimes and te- play around actually with the computer systems. They were the very early, they were called Sabre systems mm-hmm. <laughs> for making reservations. And, and then... Um, and then actually even at the party city, like, you know, you kind of work with the the, the, the computer systems for the inventory management and mm. the cash registers. And you kind of get exposure to all of that kind of pretty early. But, yeah, it was always fun watching him kind of build something again from scratch. And, and do you and always see yourself one day being a business owner in that aspect? Uh, you know, um, it's interesting. Like, I uh, I think I'm a little I, – I have this natural curiosity for, like, new things. Yeah. And so I can get kind of bored very easily <laughs> with one thing. So uh, for me, it's like with it, if I'm doing the same thing every year, I, I would not enjoy that. Now, I know with businesses, they're growing. It's it's different. But that's why I kind of – and I've run a business. I, you know, I'll talk a little bit about my background yeah. there. But, but – um, and that was a learning experience where every year was different. But what I really liked and why I've kind of settled on venture capital was the ability to work with a lot of different mm. types of people and a lot of different new industries, new technologies. And that's just more fun for me, generally. Yeah, yeah. 
So let's you know talk mm-hmm. about you. And at the time, yeah. you start with this business, you know, intersect with engineers. Yes. And what's next for you at the time? Right. So uh, actually, it's, it's it's funny. I always tell people I've graduated into two recessions. So the first recession I graduated into was the dot com <laughs> bubble bursting. So as I was joining Trilogy, uh, the bubble was bursting or deflating, <laughs> and um, and within a year I was laid off. And so that was a very formative experience for me. It's something that um, I think was actually good for me mm-hmm. at the time, but didn't feel like it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, at that moment, but um, had two benefits. One was I went back and lived with my parents, and that's when I got to be more serious with my then girlfriend, and then who's now my wife. <laughs> so, so that was important. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly. Um, it, it allowed me to kind of find my, my next job, which was I was very fortunate to be able to be part of the very first year of a what was called the Marketing Leadership Recruit Program at, at Microsoft. Uh, it was kind of in the um, spirit of what Google had done with their associate product manager mm-hmm. um, program, which is still going on and very famous uh, in terms of, of what it does. But basically the idea was the, uh, Microsoft wanted to develop product managers in-house uh, from college hires versus MBA hires, or, or as an alternative to that. And so uh, th- we were kind of the guinea pigs. We were a group of like 30 or 40 um, college hires that were all flown out and to live in Seattle and worked across the organization and had a lot of opportunity to do, um, like learning where they actually sent us to Kellogg uh, for business school, uh, kind of suit like a light, nice. light version of business school, if you yeah. will, around marketing uh, several times. And then they also, and we also did special projects with executives and along with their day jobs. So it was a very intensive kind of experience uh, where with a great set of friends that I'm still very close friends with today, a great network uh, across the country, um, but really kind of was very formative for me because it got me into product management, which I always tell people is a fantastic role if you're someone who wants to be a CEO one day or just really likes to kind of think about things kind of more from a general management functional, mm-hmm. multifunctional um, kind of point of view, product management really does sit at the intersection of, of everything. And uh, was I feel very fortunate that I because I got laid off, I landed up there. <laughs> yeah, there's one door closed and exactly, open. another one opens. Always, always I, open. you know, and I've had to, the, unfortunately had to lay people off in my career as well. And um, I always kind of try to remind myself of that and try to remind them yeah. of that as well in that process because it's it's very hard, but it, it sometimes sets you free for bigger and greater yeah. things. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So what's next? Sounds like you were loving your role at Microsoft. You yeah. felt roll out sleeps, growing It was great. Uh, I got to work on, um, actually I landed up being product manager for um, the developer tools for the very first mobile devices. So nice. uh, for older listeners, they'll remember the Pocket PC and the Windows very first Windows mobile smartphones. This is when Microsoft still was hoping to kind of uh, you know be a major force in in the in the smartphone um, space, but they were very early on in what used to be called PDAs, <laughs> personal. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, I'm even blanking on what that means again. But uh, basically, these were portable portable devices and that mobile devices that didn't even have connectivity. Mm-hmm. So these were apps. I like to say before. There were app stores, Wi-Fi, or GPS on any of these devices. So really early on wow. and trying to get developers to write apps for that. So these were all the tools that if you wanted to code up and, 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 and write it and test it out on, the, on an emulator and then load it up onto a device and, and have it work, you could do that. Uh, so it was really a great experience because I was seeing the whole mobile revolution at the very beginnings, mm-hmm. right? And um, I learned a lot 
in terms of, and I actually worked with a lot of startups because a lot of the people that were building apps in the early days were just hobbyist startups. Yeah. And I was help, arming them basically with the tools that they needed to build new things and invent the future. Wow. And so I really enjoyed that part. But it also showed me how big companies like a Microsoft um, can, can really struggle to, um, to, to these shifts. Mm-hmm. You know, even though they see them coming and they know what they want to do and spend billions of dollars sometimes, they, they sometimes can't make it. And that today is always important because I think that's what creates room for startups and other things to, to do new things. Yeah. So at the time you're in corporate, you yeah. are working with a bunch of amazing entrepreneurs yes. in a way, you know, creating this next yes. technology. Do you at the moment have the idea to shift? Well, I, I always knew I wanted to go to business school. Mm. So I, it's kind of it was kind of at that age where it's like, okay, now's a good time to apply for business school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that and I was fortunate enough to get into Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had my um, my... Uh, girlfriend at the time who we were like, okay, I probably need to get married now, <laughs> as everyone around us was reminding me. <laughs> and so we, we got, uh, so we, uh, so we got married uh, the summer before I um, went off to, to business school. So yeah. uh, she was amazing because I basically took her from, you know, where she was comfortable with her family and friends in Texas. And we, we moved out to Boston oh, wow. uh, or to Cambridge. She'd go with you. That's so, amazing. Oh, yeah, she came with me. Yeah. Newlywed wife. Uh, we, we headed out to a place where yeah. she didn't know anyone. And, um, and we just kind of started a new chapter together there. Incredible. Uh, How was the two year? It was great, uh, but the one thing that uh, you know she'll be the first to say was she wanted to be move back to Texas as soon as possible. She liked the warmer weather, <laughs> the new people here. So yeah. one of the things we agreed to very early on was uh, we I tried to find an opportunity in Texas. The problem was I wanted to do venture capital, oh. uh, and um, I didn't uh, really know if that was even a thing at the time. You have yeah. to kind of take yourself back. This is two thousand six to eight time period, and so it's really hard to break in as well. Well, it's hard to break into venture capital, but at that time, it really was just Silicon Valley, not even San Francisco, just like the, the, the you know south of San Francisco, <laughs> and um, and Boston, mm-hmm. you know, New York, L.A., all these other kind of uh, Seattle, like these spots weren't really kind of known for for venture capital in any way at the time. And um, so I said, well, I'll try my best. And so I looked in the alumni databases for uh, for the Rice University and, and for, um, for Harvard uh, Business School. And I just did the filters of Texas venture capital. And the crazy thing was uh, the same name was in both databases. <laughs> A guy named John Jaggers, who was managing partner at Seven Rosen Funds, uh, which was a national firm, had been around 30 years, iconic firm, had an investor in compact computers, electronic arts, Lotus, Citrix, like all these amazing companies. And um, I said, wow, I feel that's amazing. Uh, I need to just, I just need to email him, hopefully, and he'll respond. And it was amazing because he responded to a cold email. Uh, yeah. inv- invited me to come over uh, when I was going to be back in Texas um, during the holiday, uh, the Christmas break. Um to come in and just talk to him. And I did a basic interview and got a summer internship from that. And I was very lucky because they were thinking about raising their next fund and they were thinking a couple years ahead. And so oh my God. Um, it worked out, you know, incredibly well. That's um, like star aligned for people who have not been business school. That's like a yeah, less than... Very, very lucky. Yeah, yeah. Because I usually, they you know, in, in school, they would tell us you can pick one or two of the three things between function, industry, and location. Uh, you can't get all three. No. And I really did yeah, get totally. all three. So I, I feel very lucky. Uh, so we moved to Dallas because yeah. uh, they had offices in Palo Alto and Dallas, and of course I wanted to be in the Texas office. So moved to um, to, uh, to to Dallas with Richie, my wife, and um, 
we um, got started there. And then this is where I graduated into my second recession because this was 2008. <laughs> you so, graduated 2008? Yeah, for business school. Oh so, uh, so as soon as I get to, to Seven Rosen Funds, um, things are changing there. Um, and um, obviously the financial crisis put a pause on all fundraising. Yeah. And then there were other kind of dynamics with the partnership um, where eventually led to a, f- a few years in where they decided rather than raise another fund that they were going to um, all retire because they had, you know, all been very successful in the dot-com bubble and at, at the senior partnership level. So then I had to figure out what I was going to do next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also knew um, that uh, the other large kind of billion-dollar firm in Texas at the time was Austin Ventures. Mm-hmm. And I had friends in business school who were there and they were kind of telling me, oh, things may not look so uh, rosy there either uh, in terms of what was going on. And so I really thought venture capital in Texas as a career path was dead for me. Like, I didn't really think that was something that I could pursue. And um, and so I just kind of went to like plan B, which was, well, I really enjoy startups. I enjoy um, um, being, you know, kind of in that environment. Why don't I join one of the startups that I was close to? So I, I joined a, a company called Invoto. Yeah. Uh, which was a company that I had worked with. Actually, when I was an intern at S- uh, sorry at Seven Rosen, I had worked on the investment memo and met the entrepreneurs then. And, and after I, by the time I joined, we already had invested in the seed round and the A. And that company was really um, in innovating at the intersection of e-commerce and video. Mm-hmm. Really, the, the this was you have to take yourself back to when Google had just bought YouTube, right? So early days of video on the internet, and we believed that video would change the way people shop online that um, every product would have a video that shows the feature benefits, demonstrates it. We take that for granted today. Mm-hmm. That was not the case back then at all. Uh, uh, people just, you know, we just had photographs, if anything. And so uh, we built a software platform that integrated into e-commerce systems that allowed people to uh, host the videos, measure the impact it had on sales, mm-hmm. do SEO, all of that stuff. That over time became more of a technology-enabled services business where we added actually the video production at scale. And we actually wow. had a content factory where we had a big warehouse and multiple studios and technology-enabled work, workflows to really produce high volumes of content for Home Depot, Toys R Us, JCPenney, Verizon, you know, thousands of videos at scale. a year at scale at a fraction of what an agency at That's the time incredible. would cost. So we were innovating and doing that and really kind of showed people – this was before – you had like mobile devices and 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 creators and and social video where people today take it for granted that you can create video really quickly and fast and even what we're doing here yeah. is very easy to do back then it was not yeah. right you needed all the specialized equipment and all these other things so we were really kind of pushing the envelope of how do you produce video at scale low cost but high quality that brands mm-hmm. would want so i i moved to austin to join them um First as kind of a VP strategy, product management, uh, um, partnerships. Eventually, um, as as the company kind of changed shape a little bit, I, I became CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, the founder was there, uh, guard throughout, and and he he led sales at the in the last few years. And we grew. You know, at the end of the day, we were at twelve million in revenue, uh, and uh, we sold it in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was interesting because there was a. Um, private equity was starting to consolidate a lot of the companies in this space of creating content at scale for e-commerce, whether it was photography or video. And so we were part of one of the two roll-ups that were happening in the industry at the time. Wow. And uh, S3 was actually an investor 
in that company. So my partners, Charlie and Brian, were on my board, mm -hmm. and I had gotten to know them even prior when, we, when I was at Seven Rosen. So, the, so when I joined S3 after that, it was just kind of a conversation that had been happening for many years yeah, that yeah, just kind yeah. of came to a, a natural uh, point where I was able to kind of join the team. What a magical story. All the stars align all the way, right? It feel, Well, it seems like that in hindsight. I, I'd say it doesn't. it doesn't feel like that when it's, <laughs> you're going through it. At that point, it feels like, oh, you yeah. know, you're hitting a bump in a road or a detour. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, Invoto was definitely ups and downs that we had to do. I, when, my first, when I became CEO, my first week I had to, you know, uh, make a big strategic shift and restructure the company and do a lot of layoffs. And so it was very, was that the most stressful period of my life was those two years, 100%. And that was like, almost like a, a different position when you were first getting laid off. Oh, yeah, it was my first time being a CEO. Um, and, and it was kind of a turnaround situation, right, yeah. where I was kind of given the direction of, okay, well, we have something valuable here, but mm -hmm. it's going to be valuable as a service business, business, mm -hmm. not as a SaaS business. Mm -hmm. So let's make it a profitable business mm -hmm. that can be, then be valued accordingly mm -hmm. and then purchased, right? And so that was kind of what I was kind of tasked with doing. And we got there, mm -hmm. but, um, but it's a challenging thing because you're trying to grow and cut yeah. <laughs> the expenses at the same time yeah. and, and, and change the strategy and, the, and almost the culture uh -huh. of the team and, 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 and a bunch of other things um, yeah. all kind of in mid-flight. It's so, like you're frying an airplane while fixing yeah, it at the same time. Yeah, classic. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> but really, it's almost like you're changing the model of the airplane. Yeah, Going a different direction. So yeah. All these other things, too. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. at the first, yeah. I mean, six yeah. months or well, first year, when you first step into CEO role, it's the first time, but mm -hmm. have a challenging task to do. How do you accomplish that? Well, I think we're just having really supportive folks. Like, so yeah. Brian, um, who's my partner now, what was on my board, you know, gave me that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think he always just showed a lot of confidence in me. And yeah. then I have to say the people around me to guard, who's the founder mm -hmm. of Invoto, um, was kind of always, and, and, and Trey, who's our CFO, was always kind of, they were with me from the beginning. So I always felt like people who I've worked with yeah. throughout, and then either even people who were at Invoto before, who mm -hmm. were no longer there that I could consult and mm -hmm. reach out. They, everyone was always very supportive. Yeah. And wanted it to succeed. And yeah. so I just always feel lucky that I had that. You know, I, I don't think I could do it without yeah. the people around me kind of thing. I feel that more successful yeah. people I talk to, the more lucky they think they are. But I really believe that you create your own luck. Well, uh, I think I'm sure maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I do believe. I mean, yes. I mean, I think at some level you are putting yourself in situations mm -hmm. where opportunity yeah. uh, kind of can manifest a little bit, yeah. and and some of yeah, I'm sure some of it is luck of the draw to both directions. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we made mistakes along the way too. I can mm -hmm. talk about how um, you know we famously turned down an offer for Invoto that was multiple times higher than <laughs> what we landed up selling at. And there's, I mean, there, there were mistakes along the way. Really? It, oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, so I wouldn't say it was, a, you know, like this kind of great success story. It was more a learning opportunity. Would you wish to do it us. differently, given that specific? Sure. I mean, f yeah. Yeah, I think in hindsight, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't have got the career experiences, but I think mm -hmm. that would have been a better outcome for all the stakeholders at the time. Mm -hmm. But is it hard to sell that at the time you were joined as CEO, you turned the entire business around? Oh, this was even around. before I was CEO. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, this is, I mean, we were just getting started. So like when we turned it down, it was like, oh, we're just getting started, you know? Yeah. So at the time it felt very right. So mm -hmm. hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. I, you know, and so if I'm being objective about it, I'd say, yeah, yeah, sure, that would have been the better <laughs> decision. But, yeah. you know, you can't go back in time. And, and, and I don't, and there's good things have come out of it yeah. afterwards too.
And, and once Involdo has been successfully acquired, yeah. and now you're moving to S3, right? That's right. Yes. Wow. So how's yeah. that journey? How's that transition? Because I think you are some yeah. you are someone very have such a rare career experience mm-hmm. from corporate mm-hmm. to startup mm-hmm. to venture in mm-hmm. such a short time, right? How's yes. that transition like? Yeah, back for you? and forth. Um, yeah. It's kept it interesting. I, I feel like I'm always learning because I'm doing something different. Like yeah. I said, I it's important to me. Um, I um, I'd say it's been I again feel very fortunate in that I I got back into venture at a very um, opportune time, mm-hmm. which was like counter to like my timing in the past. Like I said, <laughs> I was like this maybe the third time is the charm here. Oh my god! Where yes. where um, I do feel like the timing has been right where um, Texas is now really kind of, I think, finally emerging. And I think COVID and other things have helped in terms of accelerating some of these things. But these are trends that have been going on for 10, 20 years where we really, I think, Austin and Houston and Dallas collectively have really kind of been these great magnets for talented people Mm -hmm. um, to to move to the state. And, and and, And the environment here has been so collaborative and welcoming Two entrepreneurs, I, I believe yeah. that that I think it has kind of created a great virtuous cycle, yeah. um, and has allowed for more funds to be raised and more um, dollars to be invested, and, and and just more success stories. Mm-hmm. And you know that's how these ecosystems develop. And so it does feel like it did feel like a couple of years ago we hit, had escape hit escape velocity, where like this wasn't like some kind of head fake. This was yeah. really happening. And uh, we still have a ways to go, but you know, a lot can happen in ten years. And one of the things I always like to say is that. Um, I believe by 2030, Texas could be the second largest uh, venture market uh, in the country. And I know it sounds kind of crazy yeah. <laughs> today, but, um, you know, going back to when I graduated business school, um, like I said, New York, L.A., where they were not even on the map. Mm-hmm. And now you look at the, you know, whenever tens of billions of dollars, whatever that are that, that, that get invested in those markets. And 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 that just happened in a decade's time. Mm-hmm. And I, I do feel when you look at the trajectory and you kind of see where the puck is going, mm-hmm. Texas definitely has that opportunity mm-hmm. to at least be in that tier yeah. with them. Yeah. Um, no one, no one's going to replace Silicon Valley, but I do think we could be Texas as a. And, and the other important point I said Texas on Austin, mm-hmm. because I do think Texas is is a market collectively. Uh, there's enough interaction between all the cities and, mm-hmm. and the DNA of people and their own networks and things like that that you can really think of it as a mm-hmm. as a single market, and um, and so I, I do believe that that mm-hmm. that that can happen and will happen and that's our thesis. I, I, it's, as a three, I say our thesis is Texas. <laughs> that's, I just one word. <laughs> I love it. So tell us more yeah, about S three yeah. and what excites yeah. you most about their investment. Yeah. So um, S three. Um, well, first of all, I mean, people that I know and trust and 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 and, and really respect, you know, are, are my partners, and so I've known them for a long time and, and seen what they've done and, and the way they operate. So that's fundamentally kind of you know uh, an important piece. Uh, but then also, I th- I'm really excited about kind of our um, the timing, like I said, in in Texas right now. Uh, in a healthy ecosystem, like I don't think it would be good if we were the only big firm <laughs> in Texas, right? Like I don't think that's that's what it used to look like a little yeah. bit, and 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 now I think it's it's important that we have a healthy ecosystem because it helps lift all you know kind of yeah. all boats, and so, um, but but being part of that has been great. S three specifically, what I do think makes us really unique is that we have a single limited partner model. So what that means for folks who are not familiar with venture capital, limited partners are the investors in the fund. We are the as the as the folks running the fund are the general partners 
and and the limited partners are the people who are actually putting the, up the bulk of the capital, and we are you know kind of stewards of their capital, and so. Most VC firms uh, will have to go, will will raise from multiple limited partners. They could be school endowments, foundations, retirement systems, you know, um, what have you, and um, and may have ten, twenty, hundred <laughs> plus limited partners. Um, and that is a very time consuming process to raise funds from a lot of people to manage those relationships yeah. to report back. All the regulatory compliance that comes with that. Yeah. Um, we, on the other hand, are fortunate that we have um, one multi-billion-dollar family. They're highly philanthropic. Mm -hmm. Half their um, wealth has been put into a family foundation mm -hmm. uh, because they've signed the Giving Pledge, uh, which is the you know Bill Gates and uh, and and um, and others have have signed, and so uh, Warren Buffett and then others have signed. So. Um, you know they they are um, they're great partners in that they have been backing us. They're our single investor um, for the 15 years that the firm has been around. We're on our seventh fund, mm -hmm. uh, which is a 250 million dollar fund. Um, and uh, prior to that, we had our uh, fund six, which was um, 200 million dollars. So you know, kind of managing a good amount of their capital actively right now, and they've they've just been kind of. Fantastic to work with in, in a couple of ways. One is um, obviously the money that we are investing and the returns are going to just amazing places. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of what they do is about um, helping alleviate social inequities by making sure that every child has an equal opportunity uh, from birth through eight, oh. and and allow and and surround children with all the services that they need to be able to do that. And they kind of think of themselves as a laboratory mm -hmm. for testing out what services work and don't, and and constantly innovating. Mm -hmm. Really, it's innovation for philanthropy. Uh, so it's really exciting to to know that the dollars are going there. But the other really great benefit is um, a really long term outlook. Right, so. Um, we can extend the size and age of our funds over time to meet the needs of the portfolio. So just because I said our fund seven is $250 million, you know, when we announced it, it could be grow to 300, you know, depending on the needs of the fund. That allows us to really be flexible and patient over time. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're not running into constraints where we say, oh, sorry, we don't have enough money because the fund is older in its life cycle. We can't support you. Or, oh, we're going to go raise money now. We need you to sell because <laughs> we, you know, we're not going to have those incentives. Yeah. We can be truly patient capital, I think, align with entrepreneurs in a very unique way yeah. uh, because of that, which I really appreciate because I, I don't like it when those kinds of things, the tail wags the dog <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, they're rushing so, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, so that's been a fantastic uh, relationship for us and, and something that I that really kind of motivates me as being part of this platform. Mm -hmm. Wow, what an exciting opportunity. Yeah. And do you feel like this is what you always meant to do, Eric? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I do feel it's it's something I enjoy day to day. Yeah. And I don't, like I said, I'm bored by it. Yeah. <laughs> right? it's, it keeps me interested. And, uh, and I do feel it kind of, um, but it's hard yeah. to, and, you know, going into a, you know, a down cycle in the economy like we might be facing now, and, yeah. and definitely in the downturn in the tech industry, it's 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 more it's it's more difficult um, now than it is like six months ago. Yeah, right? tell us more yeah. about that. Well, you just have to make the harder decisions, and and you kind of and I remind myself because I had to do this in Voto, which is you had to make some hard decisions and say goodbye to some really amazing people, and mm -hmm. uh, went through rifts and other things like that because that's what's the, the benefit of the the. The, the company, the long term, mm -hmm. right? You're you're kind of fighting for another day, <laughs> kind yeah, of thing sometimes, yeah. right? Or, uh, living to fight for another day, and so, um, 
you know, that's happening, I'm sure, across the industry right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so there's a lot of challenging conversations at boards around, like, you know, what is the right level of spend, given the uncertainty ahead of us? Mm-hmm. Should we freeze hiring? Should we actually be doing reductions? Mm-hmm. Um, that is definitely happening. Uh, but at the same time, what's really exciting is that we and all the other funds around town, I'd say, all have fresh capital because we just all raised brand new funds in the about a year ago. Yeah, and so that should be that that is that makes me feel very good about the long term mm-hmm. prospects here because I think we can mm-hmm. ride out a wave, and yeah. I, and I and I really want to make sure that entrepreneurs don't get discouraged by this environment because for those who are just getting started, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I would say that it, it might be a little harder to mm-hmm. get going and it's going to be a little harder to raise, sure. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, you know, you have to just remember that these are cycles. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you can kind of, you'll be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel soon, and right? And someone <laughs> who lied through too. Yeah, I've been through those cycles, right? And and I know that, like, when things looked really bad in 08, 09, mm-hmm. was actually when, you know, there were still investments being made. And those companies that I remember were just starting off, just reading about in this new publication at the time that was called TechCrunch that was very brand new at the time. <laughs> you know, like that, that those companies have gone and done amazing things. So um, these are cycles and mm-hmm. just people have to remember that. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure most entrepreneurs do because they're thinking about long-term vision and, yeah. and shouldn't, get, shouldn't get discouraged. Yeah. So from investor perspective, you know, what are the shifts that you have seen mm-hmm. among you and mm-hmm. your peers? And also with that, what advice you give the entrepreneur who are mm-hmm. in this uh, downturn environment? So there's two things. It, it's definitely, we've definitely slowed down in new investments, but not because we don't want to invest. I, I want to be very clear about that. Like, it's interesting, um, you know, we, we um, like I said, we have all this capital and we have a team of people ready to ready to go, right? We just hired a bunch of new associates. And they're yeah. all ready to do the split. They're like, oh, let's go. Uh, but um, the, the fact is most companies um, were told by their own investors, rightly so, as we did with our investments, that now is probably not a good time to raise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's but that's good. not true. Um, well, at the time, what the, the, the issue has been... Um, the valuation okay, chain, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and this is, so that's the interesting thing, right? The economy in some ways is actually quite healthy mm-hmm. uh, still and growing and, and all that stuff, um, inflation aside. But the the issue for most companies, if you're going to go raise, is what was your previous valuation? Mm-hmm. So absolutely, if you if you have not been priced in this environment, I would say, yeah, absolutely go out yeah. right now. You have a cap, but a cap is not a valuation. I have to keep reminding people, a cap is just the max. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, you know, you have not actually been priced. And so that gives you a lot of flexibility to raise in this environment and not have to worry about what the old paradigm was. Um, where folks are in a, a little bit more challenging situation is where they were valued in the old paradigm and given the where multiples are today and everything mm-hmm. floats down from the public markets down, right? Because it's just an accordion. You can yeah. kind of see it that way. Where, um, where the, you know, valuations even at the earlier stages are getting compressed. And so if you have raised, um, say, at a 20x <laughs> multiple and, and, and multiples now are single digits or 10 or whatever it is, um, what do you do? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you, what you have to do is you have to grow into that valuation. You actually have to keep at growing your revenue to the point where that next round when you go to new investors, you can at least be at that valuation or higher. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that means oftentimes going back into the to your existing investors and, and raising a little bit more capital, probably at the last price mm-hmm. of the round and, and keep growing until you can then yeah. kind of have an up round. And yeah. so. 
that's really what was happening, and it continues to happen in the market for people who have been priced and have investors to the extent to which they can go back to insiders and do what's called an extension round or something like that to continue to or bridge, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how close th- th- they are to that, and then go out. Mm-hmm. I have been also saying though it's good to go raise now because you don't there's your optionality. Mm. So um, we don't know if things are going to be better, worse, or the same six months <laughs> or twelve months now. Now it's it's not as good as it was, but it's okay, yeah. <laughs> right? You yeah. know. And so at some level, I'm like better now than six months from now. So if mm. you're going to raise, raise to get twelve to tw- actually more like eighteen to twenty four months mm-hmm. because we don't know, and then you can feel better. But don't don't raise to just go raise again yeah. in January or because you're really not kind of solving for the problem of the uncertainty mm-hmm, mm-hmm, in this period. Mm-hmm. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, that it's a little thought. bit nuanced, and it depends on every company where they are, but yeah. that's generally the advice we've been Yeah, saying. brilliant. And all you speak about, you know, in the next decade, you're actually very optimistic about, about Texas market, about the investment oh, environment. Yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah, yeah, do you yeah, see yeah, in the next, you know, five or ten years? Yeah, yeah, um, just more of the same, I yeah. think. I think um, what is really exciting about Texas is that it's very diversified. Yeah. In terms of where these innovations mm-hmm. are happening, I mean, sometimes I look at us and you know we're Texas focused, but we're software and some and med device. I, I, I failed to mention that when I talked about us. You know, we're just seed A and B it's software, a. and 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 a little bit of med device, but primarily B two B software. Well, that's interesting. That's that's a pretty big uh, set of sectors, but there's so much innovation happening. Every you know, even in sectors that we don't even touch, right? Yeah. Whether it's in energy and, and uh, or biotech or space or CPG, I mean, you just see so much of things that we just don't operate in because we don't know enough to do that, but uh, that are just happening in Texas around us. So I I feel good about that, right? Mm-hmm. It's not. It feels more resilient than ever because you have so many different pockets of innovation in all these different, in the different mm-hmm. cities too, not just in one city. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have so, so many different types of investors at all these different stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I think there are still some gaps. I think you could, there, there'd be nice to see a little bit more earlier stage, yeah. like like pre-seed, seed. Yeah. Um, there used to be more fund activity there than there is today, um, you know, but generally speaking, um, I think it's healthier than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just think because of that diversity mm-hmm. and that almost like decentralization of it, yeah, <laughs> if that makes sense, it'll, yeah, yeah. it'll, it'll be it'll yeah. just a lot of, planted a lot of seeds and a lot of flowers will kind of bloom. Do you have any like specific like uh, industry or sector you're most uh, excited about? Or you think no, no, that's, that's my be... point. No, no, I don't. I, I mean, obviously every city or space has some kind mm-hmm. of, Strengths, right? Like yeah. if you go to Houston and, and where I grew up, right? You know, there are definitely some key strengths where they could lead the world mm-hmm. in certain areas, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because of their heritage, right? Whether that's an energy transition, and love, people love to talk about hydrogen there, uh, <laughs> but uh, or it could be um, around you know the logistics and all the port of Houston, yep. space obviously, and then the med center has so much to offer, and so there's some natural kind of strengths in that mm-hmm. city, Austin. Mm-hmm has had lineage that goes all the way back to semiconductors, but more recently, like, you know, it then became enterprise software, but then we have a lot of consumer, ex- yeah. I, you know, companies that have been super successful. So I just think it's super diversified yeah. in Austin. Yeah. Um, and then Dallas has its own, like, again, I lived there as well. So, yeah. you know, and has all these Fortune 500 companies and a strong history around retail mm-hmm. and, and financial services and other things. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, 
there's a lot to love, you know, across all of that for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, Eric, since you have you know have multiple roles as a startup and also investor both sides, I'm curious in today as an investor, how do you like to be approached when entrepreneurs want to partner with a firm like S3? Um, I I think we all collectively love meeting entrepreneurs, even yeah. if they're a stage or two early for us. Mm-hmm. I, I think the most important thing, though, is for entrepreneurs to approach that conversation knowing mm-hmm. where we like when we who invest and, yeah. and who we are. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, kind of doing a little bit of their homework yeah. around that. But um, and so going into those conversations with the right expectations. Yeah. Right. So. We, and we reach out to entrepreneurs early and say to them, you know, because yeah. we, we even do a little bit of outbound where we'll say, hey, you're an interesting person innovating in an interesting space. Yeah. We would love to meet you. We know you're early. Mm-hmm. Would you like to have a conversation? And most folks say yes, of and course. we do that and start that. And so happy to do that all day long mm-hmm. as long as people kind of have that understanding yeah. that it's about building that relationship. And we can be, hopefully be helpful, connect them to certain people mm-hmm. along the journey. Um, but... Um, just kind of understanding where we start yeah. and end and um, and just kind of come entering those conversations. Yeah. So with that, would you appreciate entrepreneurial channel to you through a cold email or cold LinkedIn message or specifically how do they uh, I mean, I mean, they think they are the good Sure. Fit? I mean, I think um, one of the things I take pride in is we, we're very accessible as a firm. Yeah. And we've actually staffed up our team to be able to do that. Yeah. And we're not at the point where we feel overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, to, in doing that, um, but so I mean, we we are pretty responsive even to cold outreaches. Oh. I would say, um, and um, and but the and we and we meet people at you know conferences, and I mean we've yeah. we've, we've we've invested in pretty much every kind of way. <laughs> but ref, 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 referrals tend to still be the strongest. Okay, um, and we've actually we do, we actually do a lot of statistical analysis on our pipeline and look at that. And over the last few years, it's very clear that. Um, referrals mm-hmm. um, for people we know tend to go furthest in our pipeline, um, you know, in terms of the stages that we have for, yeah. for, for diligence and stuff like that. So yeah. so I, I think anything that is referred to us, we will come in um, with, um, you know, kind of maybe a, a mindset that might be slightly biased or different because of that. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, we, we do a lot of first calls that are cold oh. in both directions. We reach out, like I said, also yeah. people come to us. So yeah. we do that all day long. I mean, I'm, I probably do f- at least five a week. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just do it with our associates and all that they, right, they, right, right. I, they get invited to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, for entrepreneurs who are listening, like yeah. now picking the ears, what type of uh, portfolio company that may be one of your favorite or what type you are looking for? Um, so for us, one thing to understand, and this actually goes back to your first question about what should entrepreneurs know yeah. about um, w- about when doing their homework and knowing where we invest in terms of sectors and stages is important. But it's mm-hmm. also important to understand that um, the larger a fund gets, mm-hmm. um, the kinds of outcomes that they need to be successful change. Mm-hmm. So this is just a little bit of understanding how venture capital economics work, but you know, we're investing in early stages mm-hmm. of businesses, right? C through B. And um, the failure rates of those businesses are very high, mm-hmm. right? So we assume that we're going to lose money, you know, on maybe up to half of our companies um, where we lose all or most of the capital. Mm-hmm. So it's really the other half that that jet starts to kind of contribute to the return. First of all, they have to make up for the losses of the previous. <laughs> and the return. And then they have to generate the return. And... 
you know, folks who don't really kind of study this closely um, maybe are not aware, but like the top tier firms are like 2x, 3x funds, right? They, they actually triple mm-hmm. the uh, money that they that, that are committed. So if I have a uh, $200 million fund, I'm returning $600 million mm-hmm. to my investors to be in the top tier, okay? Mm-hmm. Top quartile or whatever. So, so think about the math for that. That means I actually have to have a handful of of companies that gener- that generate mo- almost all of the re- fund the, the fund initially and yeah. then some maybe so um, so it might be actually only two or three or even one company mm-hmm. that could be like a 10x or 20x return um, from that initial investment and then maybe 5x on the follow-on investments that really drive mm-hmm. the um, 3x the, total. The, 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 yeah if you want to be top tier right like mm-hmm. if you look at those top performing funds they all have one or two of these companies that were probably unicorns, right? They were yeah. valued at a billion, and that allowed um, for this kind of return math to work. Well, to be valued at hundreds of millions of dollars or a billion dollars at exit, which is important to us to be a success, yeah. the markets that you operate in mm-hmm. have to be billion or billion, multi-billion mm-hmm. dollar markets eventually, mm-hmm. right? Just because of the, that, that's the, the only reason people will value that way. <laughs> Either when you get bought or an IPO, the only reason the markets will value you more is because there's room to grow, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, right. And, and there's upside. So so w- that's a long way of saying that we we need to have big markets, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, so if you can't really articulate... Um, how your market is going to be very large mm-hmm. over Define time. very large for you. Yeah, well, billion-dollar-plus market mm-hmm. in the U.S., you know, kind of maybe multi-billion globally is mm-hmm. ideal. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there are always exceptions. And the hard thing about that as a VC and as an entrepreneur is it doesn't mean that the market is that size today. Yeah. It just could grow to that size also, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And how you define a market is complicated as well, especially mm-hmm. if you're a new category. Mm. And there isn't really, it's mm. not defined. So mm-hmm. some of that is about being able to tell a story and a narrative and have a thesis, mm-hmm. some logic sequence, how you get there. And then some data today that shows, um, even if, so if you can tell me that, okay, I'm eventually going to be a billion dollars, but today with the current segment that I serve at the current price point, mm-hmm. you know, it's hundreds of millions of dollars, but I can see how it then it can get to a billion or plus, then that that helps. Mm. If you're showing me that, oh, well, the segment that I serve today and my price point, well, that's a $100 million market. That's really hard to go from $100 million to, to a billion. billion. It's, it's yeah. a little bit more mental gymnastics for me to get there. Yeah. So that that is something to just kind of for folks to think about. Mm-hmm. And and I always say to people, doesn't mean that you should change your business. It just <laughs> means you should just think about your financing strategy differently. Yeah. So every company is not made for venture mm-hmm. and shouldn't be. Yeah. Right. And I, I always I, I think I always um, feel sorry for in some ways or try to kind of help guide entrepreneurs that are thinking that they need venture capital when they maybe their business doesn't actually need it. And they're kind mm-hmm. of hitting a wall constantly mm-hmm. when really they can build they could either um, they could maybe raise money from friends and family mm-hmm. or angel investors or smaller seed funds, mm-hmm. but be and and do quite well, but as long as everyone around the table understands that this is really a business that could sell for $30 million and we'd all be happy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If, if I did that, I'm not happy at the $30 million exit, yeah. right? So, but but there are, like, if you're raising from people that are okay with that mm-hmm. return and you don't raise too much, you know, then, then, then that can be very lucrative for everyone. Mm-hmm. Or you might just f- say, okay, well, actually, it's okay if I am a, um, a technology-enabled services business that cash flows. I know people who have 
been fantastically wealthy having, you know, like fast growing services businesses that cash flow or they're able to sell eventually. I mean, some of my good friends have made tens of millions of dollars mm-hmm. this way, mm-hmm. never raised a dime or maybe at the very end they did something with private equity, you know, but they didn't have to raise in those early days. And, and that was so it's like let the market and let the customers direct what the right product is and mm-hmm. what the right path is and then mm-hmm. right, use the right financing mechanism mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah, don't let yeah, yeah. the car get before the horse and people just default to oh i need to raise venture capital yeah. even though they're not really understanding yeah uh, what the business is that they're building yeah that's very, Does that very make helpful sense? yeah no okay. thank you so yeah. much Ari. especially for a lot of entrepreneurs maybe the first time in this world understanding maybe have a limited understanding about money or capital where the source of it and where stage they are so that's very yeah and helpful. the nature of their business right yeah. like if, if if your model is really one where you could maybe have some services and um and build a great business and and that's necessary because the product needs those services mm-hmm. and that's the way to go to market and that's what customers want mm-hmm that's just what it is. Or you can't force it yeah. to look like what VCs <laughs> want it to look like, right? Yes, that's, yes. The market wins <laughs> always. Always listen thing. to yeah, customers. Yeah, 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 the customer, exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Wow, Eric, you come to a long journey. Yes. I'm curious, looking back, uh, Eric, in your own uh, personal perspective, would you change anything? Is this is oh, everything geez, you want, <laughs> everything come this moment? Uh, well, I, I would say I, I, I definitely feel lucky mm-hmm. and and uh, I feel uh, fortunate yeah. um, to, you know, to kind of be here at this moment, have mm. a healthy, loving family and, and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I feel very happy and content, I guess yeah. you could say that. I yeah. mean, but I mean, we're all, we all want more. We want, always want to grow and, and, mm-hmm. and, and are ambitious. Uh, but so what does success uh, means for you? And if that, are you successful? I I am not successful yet as a venture capitalist because I have not generated returns as a VC because I'm too early in my mm. journey, mm. right? Like I, I, I do have that. I, I have that. I hopefully have that kind of self awareness and humbleness around that. Like, like I, um, it's really the people you have to almost be in venture for a decade, yeah. or more, or have some very early mm-hmm. wins, mm-hmm. Um, which again is some something that could be you know just kind of. Um, timing and, and other things, yeah. you know, come into that. But um, for the most part, you know, one of the the, the kind of the riskier, ch- more challenging things about a, a, a career in venture capital, because I get asked about careers in venture capital a lot, is that you can go 10 years into it until you really find out if you're any good at it or yeah. you're going to have the next 10 years are going to be there or not, <laughs> yeah. right? Because you almost takes about a decade to really be able to kind of take stock yeah. of your quote portfolio, mm-hmm. right? Because I just mentioned, like, if you think about the math, the venture math, mm-hmm. right? The, if, if, if one in 10 or two in 10 are the real winners, well, that means you have to have enough time to have made that many investments yeah. and then see them pan out. And sometimes they don't really pan out for many years. Yeah. Um, and so it's really hard to kind of assess Mm-hmm. someone, mm-hmm. at least where I am in my career, yeah. is in, in you don't investing. Have your I'm only feedback. four years. I'm, I mean, you do. I mean, so you have a little bit of that and you can see mm-hmm. some. But oftentimes the ones that are going to go out of business go out first before the winners <laughs> emerge too. There's a J curve that happens yeah. in venture capital and yeah. other things. So um, it's a little bit hard and that is a little bit kind of mm-hmm. nerve wracking a little bit. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. well, you know, hope I'm doing the right things. But you really won't know um, as, a, as a VC, you know, until you're kind of probably getting closer to year 10 in terms of where, because even if you have companies that are being marked up, so a lot of, I, I would say a lot of VCs that were early think they're good mm-hmm. until now mm-hmm. because they're, all they've done, they've got a lot of paper markups mm-hmm. and things are looking good. Yeah. But if the revenues really aren't there to support that and the growth isn't there, and then at the end of the day, all that 
investors really care about is that you're returning the capital. Mm-hmm. So the real mark of venture capital is distributed funds. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm very proud of the fact that our last fund, you know, we we're doing very well on that mm-hmm. measure specifically mm-hmm. and have actually returned capital uh, in, a, in a very powerful way. And so I, I think that is really what um, that matters yeah. at the end of the day. And yeah. you don't see that. You, it can be a decade before you, you see that. Yeah. Oh, on average, before pandemic, it takes 11 years for average company from conceiving to a, a meaningful asset. Yeah, yeah, especially public, public yeah. exits, especially. Totally. And those are the ones that drive a lot of the returns to yeah. the point I was making, yeah. right? So, you, you know. There's paper, and then there's the reality of it. <laughs> Completely yeah. understand. Yeah. But now you're four year in this, right? Yeah, it's still early. <laughs> so early. <laughs> That's early. early. Just getting started. At this moment, do you see this is what you wanted to do? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, no, I know so. I mean, I know so, I'd say. I mean, yeah, definitely what I'm enjoying. You know, it's more about can I keep it going? Like, can we keep yeah. it going? And can can, can can it, you know? But sure, um, it's fantastic. I will say it's harder and, and than people think. I think people what think venture capital is, is, right. is sexy. Yeah. Well, because it's just... Um, well, tell us that because yeah, everyone thinks it's sexy. Yeah, I think it's sexy and easy, and or like a cush job or something. I mean, there are some definitely nice parts about it, and you definitely control your own. To some extent, you can control your schedule in in ways that you might not otherwise. But at the same time, you're you're fighting fires a lot, mm-hmm. right? Because there's things happening in the portfolio, mm-hmm. so you're not really in control of that, right? Mm-hmm. It, I'll tell you, like everyone in our team has stories of where their family trips have been ruined because they are like on the phone the whole time with oh. something happening. It hap- It just it's like the you know like Murphy's law of something happening. So it can happen. It, it does happen, <laughs> and and so but, um, but I mean a lot of venture capital. Uh, actually, a lot of the time you spend in venture capital is not on the successes because the successes almost by definition have the they right teams in place. Yeah. yeah, they have the right teams. They can do it themselves. Yeah. They don't need you. Yeah. It's the ones that are struggling or are having some other, you know, kind of extraordinary dynamic <laughs> that you're dealing with. So you're spending time um, actually not helping the winning company. That's one of the things that you, if you talk to VCs, it's like, how do you spend more time helping those be even more successful? And you, and you, you do, you still help. I mean, you're still on the board and you're still doing things, but you inevitably get sucked into or pulled into the ones that need more help. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily winning or losing. Mm-hmm. It's also stage. Mm. So what you find is actually the ones that you have the least money in and the seeds are the ones that actually consume more of the time disproportionately yeah. than the later stage ones. It's interesting. Are, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, it's a weird thing. Yeah. And it's you just have to find the right balance of doing a little bit of yeah. everything. Uh, but it does, you know, again, especially in the environment now, some of the stuff is is less yeah. of the, the sexy stuff. Yeah. Wow, that's mm-hmm. I would never think about that. Yeah. That's brilliant. And then sometimes, and it's hard to say no most of the time. Also, is it the hardest thing? Oh, it's very hard. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's hard, especially when people are building amazing things and it's just not a fit. You know, I think yeah. no doesn't fit. mean no. It's a bad business. Mm-hmm. No, it's just not a fit for us, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Which is hard for people. It's like when a breakup happens. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, you're yeah. great. It yes, just... it's me. It's me, not you, kind of thing. But it, there's truth to that. Yeah, um, completely. Oftentimes, like there's certain stages, sectors, um, strategies that yeah. um, comfort level that we have in certain yeah. things that that uh, and you know anyone who's raised money knows that you yeah. you get one or two people to say yes out of twenty, right, or uh-huh. thirty, or forty, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So that's just. Mm-hmm. Of it. So for entrepreneurs who are listening, now thinking they are the fit in their mind, right? Uh, what advice that you have for them as they are raising capital in this environment, maybe approaching S3 if it's right fit or any other investment fund? What would you kind of share with this, her? This will hands? sound self-serving, but yeah. I, I do think it's 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 a fair thing, which is to really kind of reset your expectations in terms of what round size and valuations mm-hmm. 
are and really go back. I'm not saying to go back 10 years, just go back three or four years, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, we had such an extraordinary totally. like, peak there that, you know, I, I think some people are thinking that it's going to somehow return. It'll never return, not never, but it's not not anytime soon, yeah. you know, going to return to that. And so, um, so just kind of reset their expectations. And mm-hmm. that might mean um, just, you know, p- putting together kind of their plans that are more capital efficient mm-hmm. and, 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 and get hitting like, milestones yeah. in, in a different way and just rethinking kind of what they were doing. But, you know, mm-hmm. to say I'm going to go raise five to 10 million for my seed mm-hmm. could be done before, <laughs> probably yeah. unlikely to do in Texas market at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so those are the kinds of things where mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that reset that's mm-hmm. happening. And what what is also kind of frozen the market a little bit is that bid ask spread. <laughs> that's yeah. happened, right? Some people are kind of holding on to some of that and yeah. investors are thinking here and, and eventually I'm sure there'll be some kind of meeting. Yeah. But that that is something that I think if, if at the end of the day you want to get back to building your business mm-hmm. and operate, you know, and, and, and really creating value. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of just get going. Yeah. Um, and that sets you up better for the next round. The reason we're doing that is not, be, uh, you know, it's not like completely like trying to, I wouldn't say we were trying to like take advantage of the situation and be like, oh, we can go as low as we can go yeah. type thing. It's really about. Well, we eventually have to raise the next round from mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. And if you can't raise that next round because of your valuation, you're just setting yourself up for mm-hmm. problems, right? So you have to – we're all thinking about that. We're all aligned mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point. Mm-hmm. And so it's about what's what makes sense now given what you're going to achieve with this money yeah. for the next round. And so yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's collectively the right thing mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing yeah, that yeah. because I think other entrepreneurs are not thinking about math at that stage. They're thinking about, well, who's going to give me a check without thinking the big picture? So thank well, you. Or, for, yeah, who's giving me a check or like, can I, how do I um, part ways with the least amount of my yeah. business? Uh, which is fair. I mean, of course, I mean, everyone, if I'm on, on that side, if I'm on the side, everyone wants to maximize. And I'm, I'm not saying that you sh- everyone shouldn't push for some. But the range, where the range is, yes, <laughs> has yes, shifted. Yes, yes, so yes, just yes. fine if you want to maximize within that range. Yeah. But don't try to. Um, you know, kind of be in a totally different range mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's going to just um, hurt you mm-hmm. uh, in this environment. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then just being, um, um, you know, kind of just raising a little bit more than you need mm-hmm. for your plan because we just don't know, you know, what, what the, next the next six to twelve yeah. months looks like. It could look great. It could look really tough. You know, and it yeah. could take you a lot longer to hit those milestones. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. And Eric, wow, you come a long journey. Truly, I think it's, it's admirable from, you know, corporate to startup to venture capital. And I think everything you do, you you humbly say that you're always here to learn. But I feel like you have such a, a mind for innovation, to bring the best, you know, forward. And I think that's truly what brought you to who you are today. Well, I'm curious, you. <laughs> for you, what is thing is your superpower, Eric? Oh, um... I think it is this like commitment to like lifelong learning. Mm. I really just natural curiosity. Yeah. I've always been that way since I was a kid, I think. Mm. And so I just love to read and learn yeah. from people. Yeah. Um, so I think that is what has that kind of feeds on itself because I enjoy mm. it and that's yeah. helped me, I think, be successful uh, in this yeah, environment. Yeah. Environment. Yeah. What do you want to learn next? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's so much going on. I mean, obviously, everyone's talking about all like this, this everything around AI. Yeah. And we've made I've made some investments in AI already, and and um, but 
it's it's something that I'm. Uh, it's one of those moments where you're like, oh gosh, I need to go learn a whole other mm. kind of um, technology stack, mm. really, right? And 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 really think through like, what does this mean, and is it gonna how profound is it? How much mm-hmm. is it overhyped or not? Yeah, yeah. Um, is it going to really, you know, is it does it create opportunities for new startups yeah. or does it really? Are these going to be features of existing, com- you know, products? Like, you know, it's yeah. really, it's been it's been really intellectually fun. Yeah, and, uh, just not for me, but a lot of people on my team have been we've been really enjoyed. I think yeah. having the opportunity to kind of oh, this is another wave. I mean, because I've lived through these waves, like when mobile happened yeah. and social happened. Um, and even prior to that, when I was just graduating from college, it was the internet, right? And mm-hmm. and a lot of discussion around: Are we going to do peer to peer, or is it going to be? I mean, there's all this stuff that came kind of full circle a little bit with with crypto and other things. Yeah. But you know, it's just kind of a new paradigm almost that we might be entering or not. Yeah. You know, who like, knows? <laughs> you does see the entire you know spectrum from mobile, from internet, from all that. Yeah. We take granted today, but you see the fully unfold in the time that you in technology world. Yeah, I mean, even if I go back all the way to when I was a child, especially, yeah, yeah for sure, seeing a lot of the information technology stuff happen, yeah. right? And, and so that's been fun to to see and and see the patterns that emerge yeah. from that, and and how industries kind of they do follow certain kind of cycles and patterns yeah. around these technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, we're just entering this kind of mania phase around, <laughs> around some of this stuff, which happens all yeah, the time, right? Yeah. It's happened a few times before. Um, and so it's exciting time, but it's also a very confusing mm. time mm-hmm. um, as well. Yeah. But that's that's what makes it interesting. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah, is, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. All the figure out. Yeah, if figure it's not interesting, it's not fun. Yeah. 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 Well, people say, uh, you know, learners are leaders, and you definitely yeah. demonstrate oh, that, Eric. Thank you. Thanks. And you know, you know, uh, with today we share so much about your journey, your amazing insight. Uh, anything else you want to share with entrepreneur that I have not asked? I just, I'll just repeat what I said a little bit earlier: yeah. is to just remember this is a cycle mm. and not get discouraged by it. Yeah. Um, as we talked about, there, you know, seen a few of these, and and I think for especially for younger entrepreneurs who, oftentimes, you know, can be the most innovative. Um, you know, they may get really spooked by this. I, I do remember being laid off. When the dot com bubble burst, and like it's very disorienting because you're told, like certain things, like you know, I, I made more my first year out of school than I did five years later because of how crazy wow. the peak was, right? Wow. And so it's kind of like a humbling thing when you're mm-hmm. like the bell of the ball, everyone's trying to recruit you, they're yeah. flying you around. You're so <laughs> excited, yeah, 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 you're excited, and then suddenly, so I can I can have empathy for folks who are younger right now who are seeing some of this and maybe feeling down on that and 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 not and just reminding them that these are cycles now we don't know if it's a v-shaped or u-shaped or what it is, but but it, they're, you know, Eventually. They're, young, they're young so they have a lot of time yeah. to like recover right yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so just remember that like i just i think yeah. for younger people in particular i i think the people have been around the block they get it they've yeah. seen it they, they they understand that they have that long-term perspective mm-hmm. i feel sometimes younger folks can get a little bit more nervous or or for some entrepreneurs, even yeah. not realize that, yeah. you know, even if they are a little bit further in their careers, maybe have not seen these cycles in the entrepreneur mm-hmm. world yeah. as much. So just stay focused, positive, yeah. and keep building what you're building, and 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 focus on your the tightest tightest focus on your core customer, the core mm-hmm. pain, mm-hmm. and everything else will kind of fall into mm-hmm. place. I think. That's a brilliant advice. Thank you so yeah, much, sure. Eric. I really believe that good project always got founded. Yes, and absolutely. especially yes, there's a you know a, a big environment that might be not be most encouraging, but 
the time is going to come. Yes. But truly, thank you so much, Ari. Wow. I'm so honored to see how your curiosity helped you unfold the entire career trajectory wow. from uh, truly the corporate to startup to VC and every step along the way. You are just not only so curious, but you're just so humble to serve and to drive the innovation forward, which is just so brilliant. And I think... The fact that you've been through the two biggest bubble in the history mm. and really almost how we even become better leader today. You have this not only brilliant, but you're just so humbly, you know, helping others and that willingness to help, that passion, that compassion really make set you apart. Oh, thank you. And that's thank why you. entrepreneurs really love to come to you. Oh, well, thanks. Truly. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you, Eric, yeah, for coming Thank you for the today. opportunity. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I do. And I cannot wait to see you all next week. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.